Hi there. We are going to make a little start. Um, we're actually going to finish up at half past five, if that's okay, um, because Dave has to get to the airport to fly home. Um, you all actually look very excited about that, so that's cool. And it's probably easier for every single person in the room anyway to finish at half five, isn't it? To try and sort out dinner. Um, but we didn't want to not. We're just laughing to ourselves, saying, like, all the questions are for Rachel, so don't sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm sure you've loads of things you want to ask, but also, like, um, Dave and Kev um, are a wealth of information to me, and I'm always asking them questions, and we're all, the three of us here, to answer anything to you if it's helpful in terms of the vineyard movement, you know? Um, so, come up, Rachel. Come up, Dave. I was going to do seats. We're just going to stand. Hey. I'm going to pray for us. I know it's not a seminar and it's a Q&A, but I'm just going to pray anyway. Jesus, I just um, uh, pray that this next 45 minutes would be um, really important. I pray that you would just pop questions in our heads of things that would benefit our specific churches. And I also just pray um, that you would just give answers to us as well um, and that there would just be divine inspiration in this place so that we could help each other just to thrive and grow um, and see your kingdom come in the churches that you've placed us in. Amen. Those just, um, okay. I was just going to say, as we're answering questions, if you guys have like an answer that you're thinking, actually, we do this or whatever, just chip in because we're all learning from each other. So um, we want to hear like what you guys have to say as well. Totally. I mean, this was originally programmed to be a forum, but we thought actually it's handier just to ask questions. Um, I'm just going to say this before any questions come. Where's your book? because we forgot this earlier. Well, this is a flyer, Rachel's book, which is not meant to be released for another couple of weeks. With great excitement, Rachel arrived and saw it was on our desk for sale, and she didn't have it to sell yet. So it was very, very exciting. Um, all of Rachel's books are down on the desk to buy, and um, I'm just gonna do, because it's easier for me to, you know, up, big it up than Rachel. Um, we are actually doing the Parenting for Faith course. Has anyone done the online course? At the the video, the CD. Okay, so it's been redone with an extra week's worth. Um, so there's eight teaching sessions and it's so simple. Like they send you the books to print for per, like participants' handbooks. They send you a leader's handbook and then the, you just watch the video clips online and actually they're fine. We've just been watching them on a laptop the last week because we couldn't get, we forgot the link thing for our TV. It was totally fine, even on a laptop. And we're running it as a home group. And it's so easy. So we just didn't have capacity to do a home group in this season with the baby, but we have capacity to do this. It's so simple. Everyone turns up. There's amazing discussions happening um, and prayer times. So I really wholeheartedly recommend it to you. Um, and then the, the book. Do you want to say something about the book? Yeah. So uh, the question that I often get asked is how do we help parents parent for faith? Like, how do we, how do we as a church actually, like, get it into parents that they actually care about this and do it? Um, and uh, this is essentially everything I've learned about how to do that in the past 15 years. I wrote it down so I can get killed now and it'll be fine. So uh, this is everything that I've learned about how do we position ourselves as the church to help parents get inspired, get confident, and actually do it. Uh, so that's, it's written down now. Uh, and the course is now online at parentingforfaith.org, and it's for free. So uh, enjoy. All right, questions. Is anyone, anything that they're keen to ask? Go for it. Yeah. Hopefully I can make this question make sense. So I'm part of Manchester Vineyard, and we're very small, um, and we're trying to work out how do we split the groups and what age group to, to do things in. And I know that's kind of dependent on the kids in your church and the context that you're in. But um, do you have any thoughts on that story? I only be part of kind of a, a church that was small and uh, had to have that kind of initial, like, how do we do this? Uh, yes. So um, until uh, a couple of months ago, we, we just had one group of um, two to nine-year-olds, uh, and we tried to split it kind of at reading age. So now we've got um, five-year-old and up in one room and uh, two to four in the other one. And now we potentially, if we have enough team, we might need to split. Uh, basically, the, the older group is heaving. And so... Heaving. We, too big, too, oh, too many kids, and so. Are we talking 50 or are we talking 
oh, we're talking like 20. Um, but for the size of our team, so uh, about 100 adults in the church. Uh, five to nine. So, so is it, is it a bit like you want, you stage one? Oh, yes. Yeah. So we, no, it's actually split by age. And so then we, we've currently got a problem of like a four-year-old has five-year-old friends who come to church. And so the, technically the five-year-old should be in a different group. But then we just say to the four-year-old, why don't you just go to the older group? But that's complicated. I, no, I haven't got a clue. Like um, I, I haven't got a clue. Um, so um, I'm just thinking. For me, I guess it comes down to the vision you have. And so for me, um, at, at what stage in your ministry, because you're talking that means you have about 30 kids in total. Is that my guess? Uh, and, so, and so, and you said you're a fairly new plant. Um, and so, so for me, this could be a very unhelpful answer, but I, I'd, I'd be looking at what's your vision for what you want to accomplish with the kids. So it, is the season right now actually establishing a culture and therefore putting them all in the room because you're going to be talking about who we are and healing and stuff like that? Um, or if you're wanting to build relationships, then keeping them larger makes sense. Or if you're wanting to really drill down into values and therefore a bunch of smaller groups means they have more time to peer focus. So so my question uh, would be what what is God doing in this season and therefore structure for that, because um, otherwise you may end up with a stru structure that doesn't facilitate the vision that you have right now. Um, that would be my only thing. Wait, uh, upwards of nine, what have you got above nine-year-old? Okay, so nine is... Yeah. I think, I think what, I, what, I've, what I've found is that uh, four is probably the youngest I would stick in with our bigger kids, you know, with our sort of six and seven-year-olds, because then they they start to get intimidated with the with the worship. Do you know when the when their kids because it's louder? Um, the, I think for me the ideal is in Northern Ireland it's like P1 and P2 I'd have together, which is sort of reception year one. Yeah, reception year one. Yeah, translate. I've got a translator <laughs> over here. And then I'd have then I'd have P3 and P4 together, and then I'd have maybe P5 is a funny age. Whatever that is. Year four. Year four. Year four. Yes. So eight-year-olds. Eight-year-olds are, are almost too old for our, for our young, and they're not quite old enough for our nine to 11s. So in an ideal world, if I had loads of team and loads of rooms, because that's the other thing, you, you're restricted by your space too. Uh, I would have one room for those eights, and then I'd put the nine, tens, but whatever nines. So... I would do the best that you can, and, and I, would, I would try and just make it as age-appropriate as you can, because it is hard to do, to teach a three-year-old and a nine-year-old at the same level. Does that make sense? Your nine-year-old's going to take more in than your three-year-old, mm. and you need to adjust what you're teaching to the three-year-old. Is, is it room size? Are you limited by small rooms? Okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't also. I wouldn't worry about um, breaking them down into smaller groups as well. Like if you've got too few in a group, um, and don't try not to worry too much about team because I think if it's if it's the right thing to break them into those groups, um, again thinking of your vision, then um, we, like team will be provided. God is God is good like that. Um, so um, as hard as that may look, because we all struggle for team, don't we? Um, but um, but yeah, so don't don't worry about trying to divide them up as well. Yeah, I would I would second that. Oh, sorry, go ahead, jump on in, sweetie.
Yes, what, the obsession is? <laughs> We're talking about the vision for our churches. Yeah. <laughs> we love it. Can I, I just wanted to say as well, like, you know, for years and years, we did keep our five, four to 11, like the whole of primary school reception through year six in together, and it worked brilliantly. So, like, I'm not, what works in one church might not work in another, but here's the deal. If you look at your adult congregation, you will have people with special educational needs sitting beside university professors, but when the Spirit of God falls in the room, something happens that levels us all. So if you're pressing hard into what the Holy Spirit's doing, um, and that is something that you're really looking to see, the age thing can go totally out the window. So we wouldn't pressure yourself to always have to have the same age groups if you're not able to. Um, or perhaps you can have everyone together, but maybe you want to do like discipleship groups during the week or break into small groups for sections of it. But like, don't beat yourself up either because some people find themselves in a scenario, I'm just saying it in case someone else's context is different, where you only have one big room and you can't even break into smaller rooms. So like, I guess you have to pray for what your church church's scenario is but don't be scared of that either because the holy spirit does level us all i do i totally think but is this a diff another question okay Even if you have to squeeze them in for ministry time for bits or something like that and have them all together for bits, what feels squishy to adults doesn't always feel squishy to kids because little people like little spaces, right? So sometimes what we think is crushed, they think is cosy. Um, so it might not work for whole morning and it would be really hard to play a group game if you're all squashed in one classroom, but um, like, don't be scared to do that either if you have to. But Rachel, you had one more thing to say, did you? And then I just we're going to pray for I've, Manchester yes. and then we'll do another question. A uh, thing that I've learned through blood, sweat, tears and a lot of mistakes is um, I used to split my groups when I had the number of kids that needed to split the groups. And um, I began to learn that I split the groups when I have the leadership to sustain that. And so I'll, I'd keep them there as I search and find the leaders and inspire them and equip them. So by the time I split, I know it's because God has provided, you know, like you were saying, God has raised up those people. They're ready to launch. They're passionate about it. So then when we split, it's that. Because I, I used to split too early, and then I'd want to die and curl in a ball because now I'm trying to sustain five teams of people who are all desperate falling apart and I can't invest in anything and it it created more problems for that so so for me my eyes were so much on the kids in the space that I wasn't going God what are you growing what body of Christ have you provided and and when the leadership is ready we can do it so for me that was a lot of mistakes let's just pray for Manchester and then we'll ask another question if you're around um, can we lay hands on you yeah, Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in Manchester with the kids' ministry there. And we um, we just declare in front of you that every situation is unique, every church is unique, our facilities are unique, and you know exactly what is required for the kids in the Manchester vineyard. You know how those rooms need to be split, and you know the leaders that need to be assigned to them. So would you come, Holy Spirit? I just pray that you download wisdom, insight, and ideas, um, and that you would show the leadership what to do in this scenario yeah, and I just bless this church to grow and thrive.
Amen. Amen. Um, who has questions? Just so we can get a rough idea of where... Great. So we've got about two and a half minutes per question. Okay. Um, <laughs> good. Cool. Great. Excellent. That's why we're here. Questions? Okay, right. So um, next question. Let's just, let's just go through. We're, we're trying to do these a bit quicker. Right. Who's got a question? Okay, let's go. I did see that thing. You haven't got small children, have you? What's it? What's it called? Um, like foot, barefoots, foots, something about footsteps in the kitchen. Yeah, and it was great about this. Um, um, this uh, guy who was a monk, and he worked in the kitchen, and um, and how he just met God where he was. So he wasn't with all the mo- other monks praying and everything, but he just met God where he he was. And it was about this woman how um, she really was inspired by this this monk because you know she was she suffered really bad from, from depression, but also as a mom, you know, she didn't know what, how she was going to um, sustain her relationship with God, but how God just met her in the toilet with her <laughs> child at her feet, you know, and how, you know, it, wherever you were, just because you're a mom, busy mom, we're, you know, you, you're not going to, you're going to still meet God, so. And the monk was when you, he was washing up. Yeah. So, as um, a mom, when you're washing up, I think, I think also it varies. You've got, to, you've got to find your own rhythm in it all. Um, so for my family, um, I get two, two days off a week. Um, and um, our family's slightly different, and we home educate our children. So um, Thursdays when I have my day off is a time when my wife can... <laughs> Um, I, is when is when I become the substitute teacher, um, and um, so I then take the children to give her some some time out, um, and then Saturdays is our family day. But what I realised um, when we had we had um, down south um, down near London, when we get snow, we stop. Nothing moves um, where other places keep going. Um, but um, we had a snow day just before Christmas, and um, I, um, I then ended up working at home. And I realized that actually the time for me um, I, I is taking periods throughout the day. And a lot of the time for me, it's driving when, I've got, when I like, can process stuff, when I can um, spend time with God and I can pray, eyes open. Um, and, um, it's, um, and, and so that snow day, I, I got to the end of the day, and I, my, my head was just kind of like completely frazzled because I hadn't had any time to myself. Um, and I had children running around coming into um, where I was trying to work. I was like, this is my office. They're like, no, it's not. It's a dining room. Um, and um, so then I said to my wife, I'm driving home. And I went and laid in bed for half an hour where I could just like have some space to myself. Um, so I think sometimes it's just finding your own rhythm, isn't it? And it's going to look different for everyone. I was just going to say, to me, there's a difference between Sabbath and your regeneration time. And for me, it's unrealistic to expect them to be the same thing uh, with under kid, five kids. And so for me, uh, one, the answer is team. So uh, I worked at a church where we all had small people, and we were like, what do you need? And we all said, I need two hours of this time. So Will always uh, went swimming on Monday mornings, and he only came in at 11. And we were like, yes, fine, bless you, go. I'd rather you emotionally stable than you here not. Uh, and me, I always take a long lunch on Thursday. And so we sort of covered each other, and we're like, bless you, take your time, whatever you need being emotionally healthy, something will cover each other's stuff. And then Saturday is Sabbath, where I'm teaching my kid how to rest and what brings us joy as a family. We prepare for the Sabbath, and we make lists of things we're going to put down. And, you know, we do Sabbath as a family, but that's different than the time that I need to scrape out so I don't emotionally collapse. Um, I don't try to make them the same because it's just not going to happen. We, we chatted as a team after John, and we basically came up with, look, if, it's not, if somebody's not going to die... And we don't, we can't, we don't have time to get something done. We'll just leave it, you know, until next time. <laughs> so it's uh, so. 
this has to be fun. My kids' ministry has to be the most incredible life. You know, we, we are journeying with these kids, and I have, I have, my kids are a wee bit older, but I've still got an eight-year-old. And for, for me, he is my most, they are my most important kids. You know, so I learned that in the really early days. Uh, there's no point in me burning my life out on other people's kids and my kids suffering. Do you know what I mean? So I, I try and put my kids first. If that's helpful. No, 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 I know. Whoever knows the answer, I'll buy the book. <laughs> no, I, we, this is us. Actually, yes. It was ground floor, thankfully. That sounds like a good idea. I wish Beck. Beck is not here, is she? Is there anyone from Trent here? We did that in our church. We have one kid who's severely autistic. And we uh, threw together a team who kind of were just on him every Sunday. And sometimes he can sit in and he can listen to what's happening. And then he goes outside. And some days he can't. And then they just go to the playground. So we have specific people to care for his needs because otherwise it would just be a problem for everybody else. But now he's moved on to another group and it works just so fine. And I actually dismissed the team because he can listen to the teaching. And I've bought an iPad so that when they go into, they have like playtime and he can't really deal with that. Then he just sits with his mom and some Christian songs on the iPad and he really enjoys that. So, uh, and what I actually did because I prayed about it a lot because it was an issue what to do with him. And, um, and then God told me to just ask his mom what do you think that he needs? And that just kind of opened up everything. So I know that you have more than one, but, but the team worked out really good as well. Yeah, one thing I found, because I'm lazy, is uh, I prayed for Senko. So there's, a, surprisingly, in, in a lot of our churches, there are people who have experience of additional needs. They don't want to do it on a Sunday morning, but they're willing to help me think this through, and they're willing to train. So what I found was someone who's a, who's a Senko or someone who's a specialist, and I'm like, I need your help. Can you have a sit-down conversation with every family that comes in here and do what you normally do with all the brilliance of the writing down and the stuff and the figuring out a strategy? And then if I find people to do it, can you train those people? And, and so they, by the time they, they had this own little independent thing where new person, welcome, we're so pleased you're here. Have a person with our special needs coordinator. They do it, they do that. And I also <laughs> found that my, my one-to-ones for additional needs are not the people who would like children's ministry. They're your really cool um, students who are like, I'm not a student thing, but could you, they're your pastoral care people who are like, they're your grandparents who are like, sure, I'll hang out with kids. And so you, you have a different pool that you can shop from. And if you have someone else wise who can help you do all of the what needs, then it's a good relationship with the parents between Isenko and then you can focus on children's ministry. And then you can advise on how to help them spiritually integrate without having to take over all the admin. Yeah, last weekend I was at Scripture Union, Leaders Weekend Away, and um, there was a guy there called Mark, I think it's Mark Arnold from um, um, Urban Saints. He's passionate about special educational needs. Um, and one thing I took away, I'm just looking at my note, my, my children's pastors aren't here, so I can say this, um, is that um, we, um, that every church needs a Senko. So I'm going to go to my guys at some point um, and say, we need to appoint a Senko. Um, and um, just um, a voluntary role, um, but just have somebody overlook. And I think it's, yeah, brilliant. Um, but he will also so come and do some training um, and um, they do assessments of churches as well and they look at where um, where like um, holes can be plugged and, and stuff so I would tap into Urban Saints um, yeah um, Yeah. Oh, sorry. Your head will swim, things will happen so fast. 
Yeah. Harrogate Vineyard just did a day for additional needs families and got 120 people. So uh, if you are interested in, in investing in that, Harrogate Vineyard has people to talk to. Okay. Right. Another Any, question? Next question. Um, This is really simple. This is really, really easy. Just do it. <laughs> like, honestly, we, we have had, we've had events where we've had two, 300 kids in, and I've spent five minutes <clears throat> saying, this is what we're going to do. You know, make sure, we, make sure we've got enough adults to look after you. And they go out and they pray for the sick. They have words of knowledge for people. They pay for people's, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they go to the old folks' homes. And they love it because this is what they're made for. You know, it's, it's adventure. The, most of them are terrified, not as terrified as us. <laughs> or they, they find it easy to step over that fear, maybe. Uh, but m here's the big problem. We talk about it, and we never do it. And I'm convinced that that bit in one, Psalm 127, where children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior, without a warrior, they're just arrows, right? They need us. They need warriors. They need... <laughs> uh, I, I, it terrifies the life out of me, honestly, it does. You know, but I just know I've got to do it because I want to raise up a generation who experience the kingdom of heaven, understand that they, they are trusted with the kingdom of heaven and get to give that away. You know, get, get to be authentic disciples of Jesus like we talked about yesterday a little bit. You know, that they, they do this stuff. that They can go home and say, Mom, Dad, you're not going to believe what happened, but we, we, we prayed for this man who was in whatever. Does that make sense? Just do it. You know, just think of an idea, say, put it out to have, and we never get 100 kids sitting up unless we're doing, like, a kids' conference and they all go out. You know, it's, like, six kids, four kids. The only wee thing I was going to add is that sometimes I am, like, um, you know, I look at Dave's scenario and I'm, like, a little bit jealous because they can walk from his church into, like, a large town, stroke is a city, Korean. I don't know. Anyway... So they can, like, walk into it with their children on foot um, and walk back again. So we're in Belfast, and we can't do that because people commute to our church from all over the place. So we would need to do city centre. We'd need the parents to park in a car park, walk their kids. It would just be, like, more complicated. So we find, like, we haven't done this nearly enough um, recently. But when we have done it, it's always been easier for us to do it as a family thing and invite whole families to come into the city centre. And we've done some really simple things in the past. I'm not even going to pretend this is recent because it's not. But just like um, we've given families chocolate coins with wee cards that said, you're like, you know, when God looks at you, he sees treasure. And the, the families just went all around the city centre and give these out and prayed for people that they met. So just real simple things that a family can do. And then they just come back and tell their stories. But um, yeah, if you're in that sort of a scenario like us, do it as a family day. So yeah. Yeah, um, We were just having a conversation over coffee um, about a young man in our church, Judah, who is really super passionate about the homeless um, and how we want to release him in that. Um, and um, uh, it was that thing of going with the kid's passion um, and where he's at at that moment. Um, and uh, yeah. Netta just came up with great ideas for how to get him um, involved. And they're going to, she's going to, uh, she and dad <laughs> will support him in doing that. And I just think that that's wonderful because it's like where he's at, where his passion for God is at at the moment. The parents are, are going to be the springboard for that and they're going to be a safety net for that. And I just think that that's fabulous. So, um, yeah, I love it when we do it as church, but it's also like for the parents and the families to go with, with, the, with whatever the child, wherever the child is at at that moment. I think that's quite extraordinary because it's, it's growing something in them that is gonna, then going to lead to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yeah. So. That's good. Okay. Um, next question.
but it's a thing in there for uh, trees to tell you about a festival. But it doesn't even concern you if you weren't in there. And for that reason, you don't even have worship in there, and there's all these cool stuff there. And I was really left with interest on on how did you gather all the children, and how long do you worship, and have you? I just so wanted to kind of get into some of the stuff and really get to it. I think we all may have different answers. I'm intrigued by this. Well, I, I was just thinking I would abandon going into church, um, into the adult church, um, and gather them together. Because what you can then do is you can then be intentional about um, teaching worship um, where you've not got loads of adults around who are trying to worship, and you can talk to them while you're doing it, and you can um, really like just like take little steps with them um, to help them to get to a point where they are worshiping, and then integrate them back in with the adults if that's your vision to have them in with adults. Um, and that that's just a thought that popped to mind. But um, yeah. But Kev, can I just keep the microphone? But you do have scenarios in your church where the kids and the adults worship together, don't you? Like yeah, communion. so um, communion is when we do it. So um, um, Mana, our children's pastor over here, is um, really intentional about in the in so three out of the four <coughs> weeks, we have the kids not in with the adults. So um, what she does is tries to find out what songs are going to be done that week um, and then um, te- does them the previous week with the kids so that the, they get to know the songs. Um, and we, we do a lot of the same songs that the adults do. So again, um, because I think for kids, um, some kids, kids, some kids can't read the words, so they need to know the songs. Um, uh, they're doing chil- you're doing children's songs. Yeah, do adult songs, yeah. Yeah, and they could, they could engage with that and, and, and get them to learn them and just be intentional about the type of songs. Yeah, for me, I would absolutely, I'd, I'd spend more time in the adults section because kids absolutely can worship just as passionately as adults and they can do it side by side. So for me, that's an easier vision. It takes a lot less team to do it that way. And and it's it's beautiful because in heaven, that's what we're going to be doing side by side. And so to, to pursue that, they, kids respond to the spirit the same way the adults respond to the spirit. And it's, ju- it's just a matter of facilitating that. So I would do only adult songs, but the songs that the kids know have memorized, because if you're reading, you're not worshiping, and, and creating that expectation. Because when a, when a kid can experience God alongside an adult, then you're really getting what the spirit releases, which is freedom. Yeah, some of our adults can't read. You know, an adult worship as well. Some of our adults can't read, you know, so just... Um, right across the board an issue irrespective of age um are we going with another question i know i think it's very interesting i actually think the four of us would give a different answer um as she went along but i actually think that's really telling because sometimes like you know when we're a kids leader we're actually at the mercy of our senior pastor's vision and we want to back it and support it and like love what they're hearing from the Lord as well. So in our church for a long time, we haven't had the kids in. We're just like pressing into that for the first time now. So when it's communion Sunday, our children are remaining with their parents for worship. It's hard work um, because we're trying to pioneer a new thing. It's like some weeks there's moments where you feel the spirit fall and other weeks you just look at parents looking a bit flustered. Um, But I believe with my whole heart it's worth pressing into even though it's really hard um, to do. And then the other weeks our kids are in the room. So how we get our kids to press into worship um, is different in that scenario again. Um, But we're so out of time. (laughs) Um, Because I'd have to go through all the age groups and say... (laughs) So I don't spend any of the cooking. So for, for me, that I spend a lot of time cooking my kids so that the children worship. Because otherwise, no matter how fantastic, for me, if you want kids worshiping, you know, mm-hmm. you need to learn how to have some fun. Mm-hmm. Um, academic stuff and then, then bring their own experiences and, and parents' abilities and things. Mm-hmm. Not from the way that I want to do it. We get the kids all up in worship and we tell them everything and everything. Yeah. Or we get the front all perfect and everything up. So unless you have these three things so, like, just to finish off, we'll, like, talk about it another time because you could, like, it needs, like, a whole other talk by itself on it. Um, but I do remember Rachel saying to me, like, whatever you do, if the kids aren't in with the adults, um, 
try and create a different space off of a Sunday morning where all ages can worship together. And if they are in, you know, it's worth fighting for to have them in. So in our church, we ran um, for a long season family life groups and encouraged all ages to be in once a week worshiping together. Um, and that's what we did because that's where we were at as a church. But it's still worth fighting for, <laughs> whatever your context is. So, all right, another question. Yes. Go, I go can wait Rachel. You, you go. I'm going to. I'm going to tap dance to give Rachel. other people to think. Whatever uh, she. Unless I mean. you have. Do you have a ready-made answer? No, no. Okay. Well, I, I have a heart thing, but we're not. We're Northern Ireland. We're 20 years behind. Okay. <laughs> um, for for me, what what I like doing is facilitating parents to answer those questions instead of answering them as a church, because I find once we answer them as a church, we're going. This is the box that the church lives in, and it equips them less than the parents doing life discipleship of this is how I cope with it. So what I try to do is get parents in the room and say, what are your fears, and what are the questions that are actually coming? Because what happens sometimes is we over-resource children. So the kid just goes, that was a bit weird. And we're like, let me give you a five-point completely biblical understanding of what it is. And we frame too much for them and therefore place a burden on our kids. And actually, what I want to tease out of the kids is equipping parents to go, mm, that's interesting. How do you feel about that? And, mm, that's and, and to get out of them what the kid's question is and then facilitate their next step in understanding. So if they're not allowed to, can you give me the more example of what Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for me, that's not about gender at all, nor is it about homosexuality or anything. That's just somebody being silly and forgetting who you are. You're a boy. You do boy things. Anything is a boy thing because you're a boy. And so I know boys who play with dolls. I know boys who do things. There's no such thing as things that only boys do and only girls do because we're all made so unique and beautiful by God. And we all have different parts of our heart. And that is going to make us so powerful in the kingdom and the world. And so you be you and you play with what you want to play with because what you play with is what you play with and it comes out of you and it's great. And to me, then it's then it, then we're not going. Well, some things are girl things, some things aren't, and it doesn't mean you're not a boy. And, was, and then boys are this, and I I wouldn't do that. I just help them feel safe to say that's a silly thing. And so my my kid will come home and be like, uh, Trevor said that if I do this, I'm a girl. And I'm like, Are you a girl? And he's like, No, I'm a boy. And I'm like, Oh, well then it's a boy thing. And he's like, Oh, fantastic. And I'm like, Well, wait a minute, I do that too. And he's like, Oh, maybe it's a people thing. It's a people thing. <laughs> and so we spent a lot of time going. I think it's a people thing. And so our, our phrase in our family is, it's just a people thing um, because people are people. And I also tell my kids that, that you being a boy or a girl is only a small part of who you are. And so everything's not down to the fact that I have a pinky uh, or that I have brown hair. Uh, that is just a small part of the wonderful, intricate thing that is me and the wonderful, intricate thing that is you. So don't worry about it. Um, it's all about you. For me. Brilliant. That's a great answer. I was going to say exactly the same thing. You are? I am, which is like, I just feel yeah. like the need to add that, you know, there will come a time when we will have, I hope, kids that walk through our doors who um, define themselves as genderless on a Sunday morning um, because we want to reach the lost. And we're going to have kids coming into our ministries who are confused about many things or who have got two mums or two dads or whatever, that is going to happen. So um, there, there may be things that come up on a Sunday morning where in the moment you have to, to deal with it um, without putting the church in a box, as Rachel was saying. But it is something that I think, um, I have no answer to this. I just think we need to pray into it. Yeah. And we need to pray these kids into our churches, yeah. you know, so that they can like find their identity in Jesus and get out of this confusion. So that is just my... My prayer <laughs> that those children would come. Yeah. Yes. 
And like Nicola told me a story from here. Nicola, who used to be the kids pastor in Trent, of how they had like kids come in who had two dads, and they weren't a Christian family, and the dads got were completely saved um, and totally in love with Jesus, and they had to like figure out as a family what to do about that, and they pastored through that um, in a unit um, where these kids grew up and wanted to stay in their family and be part of that all, but be loved. So they had to make some decisions and work through it as a church. But the one thing that I remember um, Nicola sent me was that whenever the kids mentioned this in their group, it was like it didn't face any of the other children. They hear it all the time. They watch it on the TV. It's not new information. So sometimes like you can just not say too much at all and just point to who the father says people are. Got, got a flight to catch. Um, yay, Dave. Um, I've, I've had kids who've said that they're gay in, in my groups. Is this being recorded? Um, is it being recorded? Um, if it's not being recorded. Um, so I've had kids who've said that they're gay. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. And I just leave it because, because actually... There are many kids who go, I'm going to be a scientist when I grow up, and I'm going to be, and my job, I never go, are you sure? That's not what I think you are. And it's not my job to wade my way into it. So I'll be like, oh, when you talk to God about that, how do you feel about that? And I, my goal is always to push my kids more and more into relationship with God. That's, that's how I cope with it. And I go, well, you know, it's, it, you know. How you feel about God? How you, oh, that sounds difficult to think about that. You know, what has God been saying about it? Oh, that's great. Well, if you ever need any, have any questions or want to talk about it, I'd love to, you know, be here for you. But my job is to help you on your walk with God. And that is a part of your walk with God. And I constantly give them to that. Because what happens is, is then I maintain connection to their heart and I encourage them with God. So then they can say, God says it's fine. And I go, oh, that's really interesting. You know, when you're reading the Bible about that, you know, tell me about that. And I'm just asking questions. When I ask questions and I facilitate adults to ask questions, then I'm not going, I disagree with you. Um, I'm helping you explore what God is saying to you in relationship with you. Um, and, and for me, it's about supporting the person's relationship. As, as a parent, um, we've got this um, we've got this book um, that we use with, with our kids. That's about um, just the way families are made different, um, and um, lot, every family is different. Um, and um, I guess for us, it would um, when if things like that came up, it would be again going back to them saying, "Look, everybody's family is different, and people are different." Um, and actually, um, this is what we believe, and this is our ideal. But we don't make people feel bad because their family is different. Um, and um, it's, it's loving people, um, but also knowing what's true to the word um, without ramming it down people's throats. So if people need to go, please do. Um, but we're happy to spend a... Yeah, yeah. We can't give you our expert view. We can tell you how we do it, but that's, I'm not sure what's an expert. Well, I, 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 think, um, I think it's really important that we don't um, over um, make, make her like a really scary thing um, because, um, well, okay, it is, but um, we don't want to freak them out. Um, and often I, when I'm talking to kids, I would just say, do you know what? Um, we, we have the option of having a lifetime and an eternity with God or without um, so it doesn't make it a kind of big, fiery kind of, you're going to burn and uh, that kind of, it's just with or without. Like, what's going to be better? Um, that, um, so that's my first thought. Yeah, I, I emphasize that, that God doesn't force us into anything and we can choose to be without God. And, and you know, God designed us to, to have this. And so for me, it's always part of the wider story of God designed us to operate with his love at the center. And we see what happens to the world when people don't operate with God's love in the center of us and how we feel and how we treat each other and stuff like that. But God will never force us to spend eternity with him if he doesn't, if we don't want to. So we can walk away. And so if, kid, if a kid asks me straight out, what is hell? I'll say as hell is when someone chooses to have none of that part of God in them for eternity. 
And how do you think that would feel? And I just, I don't try to sidestep, but I just try to, because that's, that's, that's what it is. The absence of God is what it is. And we see a little bit of that on earth sometimes. And we can talk about that. Well done. Um, we better... We could, but we better pray for this girl quickly first as well, because if you're the only person here telling these kids about basically salvation, um, you're quite strategically positioned, to say the least. What's your name? Joy. Oh, yeah, Jesus, we just pray for Joy now, and I want to thank you that you've placed her in this unique um, position, um, and I just declare that she's powerful in you, and I pray, um, Jesus, that you would anoint her lips for salvation, that you'd um, gift her to teach these children and to impart salvation to them um, and knowledge of who you are as our Heavenly Father. So we just bless her to minister um, and to see your kingdom break out everywhere she goes. I just pray that where she goes, salvation would follow. Amen. And there's more coming. <laughs> we say in faith. I'm just winding her up. <laughs> What I found was, um, have you read Heather Thompson's Ignite? It's not a curriculum. It's a book, but it's essentially Holy Spirit ministry. Uh, it's Holy Spirit ministry, how to add Holy Spirit ministry onto anything. And I found what's really good is Elaine has a really good, I love Connected Hearts, as you know. Uh, and that's a really great pattern. But what it frees you up to is what you've basically learned from Connected Hearts. Get flyers now. Uh, and um, Stick them on the table at the door, Elaine, um, just, and then. What you've learned from Connected Hearts and what you can get from Heather Thompson's Ignite is how to add stuff to curriculum you want. So then you can go, ooh, what do I need? I, we actually want to dip into persecution, evolution, and a whole bunch of really difficult questions. Urban Saints has some interesting stuff. So I'll nick that, put it in the formula that I already know, add some Holy Spirit <laughs> ministry that I've learned from Heather Thompson, and so it's sort of making your own curriculum, but using all those resources. Because really what we're looking for is it, it, Connected Hearts gives, gives us the sort of theology of what we're looking for. But also we need some good, solid biblical stuff that we can add Holy Spirit ministry to. And so I'd, I'd find out what, what's your vision for the next step. And then we can find a curriculum for that and then add, you know, the pattern that we know is because you've grown in wisdom. You can do it. Anyone else? Anything they are going to recommend or that's working? My kids got obsessed with what's in the Bible, too, that, those DVDs. Um, they, we did that for like a whole year and added Holy Spirit ministry in. Yeah. No, this is it. Like, there's so many people that write their own stuff as well. Like, and I know that you could just email here and ask for a year's worth for whatever age group or, and they'd send it, you know, or around other churches. So there is like... Children's, um, most children's pastors exist on each other's stuff. So and there's a lot of wise each otherness. Everyone shares, basically, yeah. and is happy to as well. So. Yeah, you need to adapt. Mm. Um, Ellie Bird, uh, who's not in a vineyard, but she writes curriculum based on movies. So she did a 10-week series on Moana, and then she has a whole gospel according to Disney stuff, uh, which is it's brilliant. So uh, Ellie Bird, e -L -L, I can give you her thing. She's at St. Chad's in Romley, and uh, she, she gives it away like candy. So it's something really interesting. Let's finish up. But somebody may have 
So put it out on the network and be and like, we're looking at it. this. Can someone write this curriculum? And that's like the, part of the vision for the Facebook group as well. Like it's fine to go on and say like, you know, anyone got anything on this? I really feel the Lord's highlighting that we need to go here with our kids. And then you might get like five different things in and you can pick and choose and make it your own. And sometimes someone's idea inspires a whole lesson from you, from your heart. So um, we'll get Sharon on that as well and um, getting other lessons and curriculum out there. So... But do just pray into what you're doing. Even if you're, when you're using other people's curriculum, that's wonderful. But do be asking God what is for your kids and where you need to be pushing into. Um, because I guess it's the same. Like a lot of pastors write sermons and they like go online and research or look in books and share things that are other people's ideas. But they have like spent a lot of time praying and asking um, where God has taken the church directionally. So we can do that for our kids too. So amen. Let's be done. Thanks for coming, guys. Um, if you haven't already got flyers for the conference, um, grab them on your way out.